0: This is With Intrepid Heart Sermons, sermons preached by Reverend Adam Moline at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. You can find our website at goodshepherdlincoln.org, and the texts for our sermons each week follow the historic one-year lectionary. Let's listen in to today's sermon. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Tonight, we're going to hear about our gospel lesson, and we're going to seek to see it as the fulfillment of Psalm 133. Psalm 133, then we need to hear. And this is how it goes Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Those words, I think, are fulfilled in our gospel lessons. And now we want to find out how. Now, you may have heard Vickers say at the very beginning of our gospel lesson that it takes place as they're on their way to Caesarea Philippi. And that's a detail that I think we often overlook. And even if we notice it, we don't know enough about Caesarea Philippi to understand it. Now, that particular city was located on the very northern edge of Israel. It is in the tribe of Dan, and it is the home of a grotto where a spring comes right out of a cliff face and forms one of the four headwaters of the Jordan River. That cliff from which that spring sprung forth is also the very foot of Mount Hermon which you heard about in Psalm 133. 133, where it says, the dew of Hermon flowed down to form the Jordan River, to give life-giving water to the land. And so you see, Mount Hermon in Psalm 133, and really Mount Hermon in our Gospel lesson. And as Jesus is on his way to the headwaters of the Jordan River, he asks his disciples, who do people say that I am? At the beginning, he gets a variety of answers. Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some people say just a prophet. While these are good, educated guesses, they aren't quite right. Sure, Jesus is a prophet, but he isn't John the Baptist, and he's not Elijah. He's something more. And that's what Jesus wants to hear. So he asks them again, You, you twelve disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter answers, You are the Christ now, the word Christ is a word that we hear all the time, and we don't think about what it means. Christ is an important word. It's a Greek word, Christos, the one that you see on the front of your bulletin, and it means the Anointed One. And this Greek word, Christos, the Anointed One, is a translation of a Hebrew word, Messiah which means the exact same thing, the anointed one. Anointing is not something we do much of anymore, but it involves pouring oil, usually scented olive oil, upon someone to put them into an office or to heal them or grant them a blessing. You saw that take place if you watched last year as Charles was coronated as the king of England. They anointed him as king, luckily behind a screen. We see it in the Bible also. Samuel anointed David to be the king of Israel by pouring oil upon his head in 1 Samuel chapter 16. And in Exodus 29, much earlier even than that, Aaron is anointed as the high priest of the land of Israel by having oil poured upon his head until it ran down into his beard and on the collar of his robes, as we heard in Psalm 133. Along with that anointing, There also was lambs that were sacrificed and a promise from God that he would dwell among the people of Israel and would be their God. So when Peter and the other disciples are on their way to the foot of Mount Hermon, to the headwaters of the Jordan River, and Jesus asks, Who do people say that I am? Who do you? Say that I am. He answers. With Psalm 133 in his mind. With the words brought about not by flesh or blood. But revealed by the Holy Spirit. You are the Christ. You are the anointed one. You are the dew from Mount Hermon, which flows down to Mount Zion, so that there God can dwell with his people and his blessings of eternal life be given. And in this confession, you are the Christ. Saint Peter is united with all Christians from all times and all places. United in a common confession of faith about Jesus. He's united with all who have faith in Christ, even you and me. And what's more, he's united now also with God and his word. United in proclaiming and confessing what God reveals to him in the scriptures. He's united with God and the faithful, both alike How good and pleasant it is, Psalm 133 says, when brothers dwell in unity, in a common confession, the confession of Jesus. But to remain in that unity, the confession must be the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Look at our gospel lesson. When Peter confesses, you are the Christ, Jesus immediately begins to teach what the Christ's job is. That he must go down to Zion, to Jerusalem, to suffer many things, to be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, to be killed and after three days to rise again. Peter doesn't like that. Peter doesn't want that to be the truth. It's not what his flesh and blood, it's not what his reason wants to believe. So Peter pulls Jesus, our Lord, aside and rebukes him Don't talk about your death. Don't talk about blood and sacrifice. How does Jesus respond? Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but instead upon the things of man. Peter, by confessing something different than what God's word says, breaks the unity of faith. Dear Christian, do not fall into that same trap as St. Peter. Don't confess Jesus just to ignore what that means. Don't call him Christ and not understand what the job of the Christ is. Don't think that by merely saying, I'm a Christian, while denying something that God's word says is enough. We must confess all the Christian faith to be united, to dwell in unity as brothers in the faith. You must confess more about Jesus than that he is merely a good moral teacher or a friend of mine. He must also be your savior. That means he has to die for your sin, for you. It means Jesus must pay the price that your sin has earned by your fault, your own fault, your own most grievous fault. If he is the Christ, the priest, the king, the anointed one, you have to acknowledge what he has come to do. To be beaten and bloodied and killed for the sin of the whole world. That sin is serious. Your sin is serious, it's deadly. It means that you and that all people deserve death, eternal death, hellacious death. Your rebellion against God means weeping and gnashing of teeth is what your eternity ought to be. Your failure to live your life as a Christian means that you deserve death and damnation. But God, in His love, And mercy for you sent Christ, the anointed one, for you to be both the anointed high priest and the anointed king and the sacrifice for your sin. Jesus comes for that reason. Peter is right. He is the Christ. And if you doubt that he is the anointed one, just a couple chapters later in Mark's gospel, we see Jesus anointed with scented olive oil poured upon him by a poor woman. And not long after he's anointed with that scented oil, he goes before the high priests and is rejected just as he proclaimed. And they sacrifice him, fulfilling their priestly duties, even as he willingly offers himself as that sacrifice and as priest himself. And all of this takes place in Zion, Jerusalem, on a hill known as Golgotha. Jesus will go from the foot of Mount Hermon all the way down to that location for these events to take place. Christ, the Anointed One, dies for the sins of the world To unite sinners in the forgiveness that he has earned. Do you see it? Who Jesus is? The fulfillment of Psalm 133. The anointed one, the Christ, the Lamb of God sacrificed. God dwelling among his people. For in that place, Zion, by that man, that God-man's actions, God declares his blessing, everlasting life for you and for me. Jesus fulfills it all. Just as Psalm 133 says, just as Peter confesses at the beginning of our gospel lesson, Just as you and I know, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He's your Savior. He's the one who shed his blood for you and for your sin. Be united in that common confession of Christian faith. Repent of the sin that seeks to separate you from that unity from one another. Study the scriptures diligently, that you may not wander from that faith, but instead remain strong therein, by God's grace and by God's mercy. Dear friends in Christ, how good it is when brothers dwell in unity. The only way that can happen is by that common confession of who Jesus is, the anointed one, the Lord, who has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. That concludes today's sermon from Pastor Adam Moline. For more information about the Lutheran faith, check out our church website, goodshepherdlincoln.org. The title of this podcast, With Intrepid Heart, comes from the conclusion to the Book of Concord, where it is written, This is our faith, doctrine, and confession, in which we also are willing, by God's grace, to appear with intrepid hearts before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of it. God's blessings on your day.